was I wrong? And you know what? I couldn't be happier. I actually really love it when this happens. So uh, what are what are the pillars that are talked about in the Bible? This is actually something that I wrote about in the day the earth stands still. And um, I can happily say I, I was wrong about something that I something that I wrote. So we're going to we're going to talk about that. Um, also, speaking of the day the earth stands still now, a Texas governor, I believe, uh, or a politician, um, he has went on Twitter to say that uh, extraterrestrials need to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And usually we would look at that and, and say, well, that that's, we know what that's all about. That's terrible theology. That's, you, you know, but, but I actually think, um, I actually think this guy is being dragged through the mud through this pub publication. And, and we're going to get into uh, all of that and more on today's Peck Report. everybody hope you are doing well um for just for those of you who uh follow me and things that i'm involved in i do have a new movie out uh coming out called silent cry the darker side of trafficking and actually uh, let me see if i have i should have did this i should have prepared a little better before recording let me see if i have a copy of it um i do not but you can uh, you can you can look you can look it up at skywatchtv.com and I'm gonna uh, I'll have links to it at dailyrenegade.com as well. Um, but it's about the the just the horrible scourge of sex trafficking, uh, child sex trafficking in our cu culture, and it's really about separating the sensationalism from fact and focusing on the facts of it. But here's the thing: within those facts. There, there are things that sound like they would be sensational, like, but, but surprisingly, they're, they're not. Um, so is the occult evolved, involved in, um, child sex trafficking to a certain point? Yes. Now, again, a lot of that stuff becomes sensationalized. The same thing happened in the satanic panic decades ago. Um, but it made it easy, just like, in the satanic panic we're living in a day like that today where back then it made it easy for people to just cast the whole thing off as conspiracy theory but that wasn't true there were actual children being hurt now not every claim was true there's a lot of sensationalism there was a lot of uh false information out there well history is repeating itself because we're, we're living in a time that's exactly like that except now it's more widespread because we have the internet whereas back then that wasn't available so now uh it's easier to spread misinformation and sensationalism but the good thing is it's uh easier to spread real information too so that's what this movie is all about it doesn't hold back it does get into some very dark areas um but it's it's dark areas of of truth and 
in the movie, the uh, people I interview, when, whenever we put information out, it's it's backed up by by something. So so you know, ex- the, some of these experts they work with kids and they've seen this stuff firsthand. So uh, at the time of this recording, just yesterday, we recorded the episodes for Skywatch TV, four episodes for um, for the movie, and make sure to watch those because in in the episodes we actually don't do much talking and we we spend a lot of the time showing clips from the movie so you'll you'll actually get to see some of the movie now i want to like really emphasize it's definitely not the whole movie there was a lot uh there's a lot that's in the movie we could not air um on network tv uh but also just for sake of time uh the whole movie is uh, over 2 hours long and so for each for each episode we did maybe you know on average 15 20 minutes of the movie so we we short we showed large clips but it isn't even half of what's available in the movie so um keep watching skywatch tv for that um and i'll be talking more about that as as well as time progresses but i don't want to i don't want to get hung up just on that because we got things to talk about and i know uh you came here to see what i was wrong about and um and it's it's not a clickbait title it's actually totally real so in um i'll I'll tell you a quick story Uh, and you know i'm human and i'm prone to this too and and i think it's it's good when we realize that when i when i first started getting involved in ministry um as an author specifically you know i kind of had this for at first i kind of had this fear or like this this anxiety about what well, what happens if i write something and it turns out i was wrong like let's say years later it turns out that i was wrong about something i wrote you know how how would i handle that and like the only right answer is you handle it in truth you know you just you just be truthful about it but i think sometimes um, and I'm not even thinking of anybody specifically here, but I think sometimes the temptation for some might be to just not talk about it or to, to, to just kind of let it go because, you know, it's, it's a little embarrassing as a teacher if you're wrong on something. Um, it shouldn't be because we are human. Uh, but at the same time, we are teachers. So we, you know, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, have the role of, of uh, teaching somebody else, we we should be accurate in what we say. Um, but I think there's some embarrassment. And then I, I think on like the more nefarious end, I, I think there, there could be a temptation for some where it's like, well, it might hurt book sales. And I, like I said, I'm not thinking of anybody specific there. Um, and I, I don't know anybody that, that I don't know anybody in ministry that would, that, would think like that based on their character. But I could see that, you know, I could see that as being um, a consideration if somebody was in ministry for the wrong reason, if if they were in ministry to sell books, right? I could see that uh, as, as a temptation to, to think of it that way. Um, and I decided early on that I, I didn't want to be like that, that if, because because before before I was an author and before I got into full time ministry myself, I followed a lot of authors and I've I've read a lot of books and I followed a lot of, uh, you know, Christian teachers and stuff and and I knew at the time if any one of them came out and said that they were wrong about something, it would not make me stop buying their books. It would not make me stop following them, uh, and it, it would actually for me it would have 
built trust because then it's like, okay, well, at least I know if he is wrong about something, he's going to tell me. Whereas this other person who's never admitted to being wrong, you know, who knows? Uh, because I imagine everybody, you know, has been, has been wrong on something, uh, before. So it's not about, are they right or are they wrong? It's about, are they willing to admit it? And so early on, I decided I want to be the guy that admits it when it, when it happens. And, um, because, you know, we don't expect that every book we buy is going to be 100% truth because then we would be elevating it to the level of scripture. And there, there's just, there's no book that can be elevated up to the level of scripture like that. Now we should be careful. You know, we shouldn't be, um, you know, reckless in, in how we write. We need to like really make sure that what we write is carefully thought out and carefully, uh, worded and researched and, and that we're not writing things for the wrong reason, which I'm going to get into. Uh, part of the reason that what I wrote was, was well, and I'll say it like this, what I, what I wrote and I'll, I'll explain it. Um, what I wrote, could be true it's just there's no real reason to think it and my my reasoning for writing it looking back on it i don't think was an appropriate reason to uh put something in a book so um so i i decided that you know i decided that early on if i if i don't care if a book's been out for a couple of years um i don't care if it just came out you, you know if there's something wrong in it i want to be open about it because i'm not in this to sell books i'm in this to teach truth and i'm in this to learn truth myself um so you know all of us can do that together as uh as like as a family so that that's really important to me um, in the book, uh, The Day the Earth Stands Still, I have an appendix. It's, so it's at the very end of the book. It's not, um, and, and it's funny that this, this part of the book I've never been asked about really. Um, I've, I've never been asked to talk about it like in, in any interviews or anything. Um, it, it, to me, it's not a particularly important part of the book. It was something that, it was something that I already kind of had and, it was like, well, it has to do with like earth and space and stuff. And it's kind of interesting. So maybe, maybe we can put this as an appendix in this book. And, um, you know, it's, it's based in, if anything, it probably should have went in, um, uh, in my book, um, unraveling the multiverse because it, it it's more quantum physics, like sciency kind of stuff. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't really fit with the day the earth stands still, but you know, I, I had all these, all these pages. It was basically a whole chapter that I had written. And once the book was done, there wasn't, there wasn't a place for it. And I thought, man, I have this whole chapter. I don't want it to just go to waste. And, um, instead of just holding on to it and putting it somewhere else, uh, I added it as an appendix. Um, which, which is fine. You know, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Lots of authors do that. Usually the, the appendix has something to do with the subject matter in the book and the way that, and I did have a tie into it. So let me tell you about what the appendix was. So I had, I had written this chapter, um, called, uh, like a, a planet called heaven or, or extra dimensional earth or something like that. But it, it was, it was that, um, the, the earth is, like heavier or more dense than it should be based on its side. Like it, it affects gravity more than it should based on its like weight. You know, if, if you could call it weight, weight isn't exactly the right word for it, but we can just use that for what we're talking about. Um, but it, it, it it's like 
based on everything we know about the earth, um, it's too, it's too heavy for, for what it is. So the, the, the question is like, well, why is that? And the cool thing about like in, in quantum physics, our gravity in just our normal three dimensional space, if there is an extra dimension or if there are like extra dimensional objects, um, they, they, they would, and they, it's really cool because they've shown this mathematically even like they would affect our gravity because the particle of gravity gravitons, which, you know, ha hasn't been observed, but it's, it's, it's a pretty sure thing that they exist. Um, every field has, um, an associated particle. So, you know, the, the, the electromagnetic field has photons, for example. So, um, you know, so we have a gravity field stands the reason we have gravitons. Well, based on all the mathematical evidence of gravitons, they've been able to show that they can traverse dimensions. So if you remember that movie Interstellar, that, that movie was kind of based around this idea that, you know, extra dimensions can ma manipulate and affect gravity. So if there was, like, let's say if there was a, a, a planet that was in like the fourth dimension. So it, it, it was there, but we can't see it. Um, we would be able to read its gravity and know something is there. So that, that made me wonder, well, um, if the earth is heavier, does, could that mean that there's extra dimensional objects or extra dimensional things on the earth that could be, uh, causing that, that extra weight, if, if we're going to call it weight. Um, and if that was purely the reason, then, you know, fine. And because I think it's fine to, to speculate and wonder. And, and I do, I, if I remember right, because it is a couple of years ago, um, I, I do believe that I did write it throughout that whole chapter. <laughs> and I, I hope I did, because this is usually how I write that this is speculative. I don't know for sure. It could be, maybe, might be, you know, a lot of that. Um, so, uh, so I, 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 I didn't ever claim in there that this was absolutely the correct way to view like the model of the earth or this is how the earth works. It's just more like it, it could, but, but here's the problem though. Here's where I was wrong. At that time, um, I had lost like a lot of like good friends that I had for, for years, good friends that, that turned, that, that basically just turned into different people and they, it was it was at the time that the 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 flat earth movement thing was really at its height and um i'm not going to blame the the flat earth theory for this because this is a human thing and anybody could use any theory to to act like this but there were friends that i had that were using you know the the, the flat earth model that that idea to then get really prideful and like really angry with people online and get really mean and nasty and you know Christians were fighting with Christians and it was a big mess and I and I had friends that I was I was close with you know friend friends that I I had like since I started ministry fr friends that even helped me get into ministry I mean th these 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 were people that I like really looked looked up to um uh I, I had friends that just used that and totally just totally became a different person. It wasn't a source of joy. It wasn't like, Hey, I discovered this amazing thing about God's design and it's wonderful. And I love you so much. And it, it wasn't that it was, it was just like bitter. It, it was, it was anger towards me because I wasn't 
believing in it. Like I, I, I wasn't believing that the earth is flat, nor, nor did I really care that much about it. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think that I, I, I wasn't bothered by the fact that people believed in it. I was bothered by the fact that people were fighting about it. Like really that bothered me because I was losing good friends over it. Um, and like I said, I'm not, I, I don't want to blame just the idea that the earth is flat on that attitude. It's a human thing because I also have, I also have a couple of friends that do believe the earth is flat that are just fine. Like they're, they're great. Um, like very, very, very loving towards me and Christina and we're really close friends and we, we just don't fight about that. Um, we talk, we, we, we even talk about it, but we don't, we don't fight about it. And so I don't, I don't even, I don't necessarily have like on, on that end of it. I don't, I don't really have a problem with people believing it. It's just, what are you doing with it? Are you, are you saying the Bible teaches it? Are you, are you using it as, um, a means to, like attack people and, and using it to, cause I mean, I, I was having people tell me that I wasn't even saved. I was having people tell me that I don't love God and I don't, um, I don't really believe the Bible and just, just really hateful things. And, and it was from a place of pride. It's like, if I thought someone thought they were Christian, but they really weren't, um, and that they were actually going going to hell and they didn't realize it that would really worry me i i would there there's not an ounce of me that would feel like oh i really want to i, I want to stick it to them um and and there are prominent christian leaders today that might be in that category it worries me i pray for them and i i don't want to like that scares me because how 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 easily could that have been any of us and so I, I just, there's nothing in me that would be tempted towards that attitude. So it's, it's hard for me to relate when somebody is doing that because, because I don't, I didn't then want to fall into pride myself and get mad at them back and say, no, you're the one that doesn't believe the Bible because you think the earth is flat and the Bible doesn't teach that. And I, I didn't want to get into that because then, then it's just, we're, we're, we would both be guilty of the same exact sin, even though we have different beliefs about a particular thing it's not that thing that's the problem it's it's the sin of, of pride and anger and, and hatred really so i didn't want to fall into that well um so i was i was coming off of this just long period of time where uh i i was losing like close friends left and right i, I couldn't seem to get through to anybody on this like hey look let's not fight about this that we don't need to fight about it we can you know, read the Bible and, and you, you know, there, there are some non-salvation things that we can come away with different interpretations. And it doesn't mean that we have to st stop, like that, that we have to hate each other. Like we're never supposed to hate each other. You know, we can debate these things. We can be open to other ways of thinking about it, you, you know, uh, and, but, but let's look at the Bible and see what does the Bible actually teach and use that as our, you know, our, our, our central point of focus and not, well, I believe this, you believe that. And we, we, we don't agree and we hate each other and you know, you don't believe in the Bible. And, uh, so it, it really, really got to me. Um, uh, and then, so the, the extra dimensional earth appendix thing in the book was sort of a reaction to that. It was sort of like, well, Look, there are other ways to explain these passages, these, these so-called flat earth passages. And 
I, I, you know, I'd have to go back and read it because it's been a while. I don't know if I even mentioned. I don't even think I mentioned Flat Earth at all in that. But, but it was it was sort of a reaction to that, and that's why I said my motivation for writing that and including it in the book. Looking back on it now, I don't think that was a good motivation to include something like that. It wasn't um, like a mean, spiteful thing, but it was a reaction to to this problem and it was a, like to me it was a way of saying well look there there are other ways that you know if if you want to take like a literal approach there are other ways to view this you know to take these passages so ba- basically what i was trying to say is like don't get hung up on one thing and be so prideful that um that you're going to hate all of your brothers and sisters who disagree with you that that was kind of what was in the back of my mind um, it, but it, it was just a, it was just a total reaction. Now, now, you know, the, the science in there is true. The earth is, you know, weightier or however you want to word it, um, by, by, by the measurements that, you know, uh, that I sourced in the book, uh, it does appear to be that the earth is weightier than it should be. And now that could be human error too. It very well could be. It could be that we just don't know how to properly, uh, measure that stuff out. Um, but, but anyway, so it was a reaction to that, and it it fell on deaf ears as it probably should have. Uh, not that it was necessarily wrong, but um, but 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 so in that appendix, I took these uh, commonly used Bible verses for you know to to support flat Earth, and I said, well, it could be this, it could be extra dimensional. These could be, um, you know, what what if the Earth that we see isn't the only earth. I mean, we know that there's like a physical temple, but there's a heavenly temple too. So what if there are other constructs, you know, you can't really like locate heaven. You can't like point to a direction and say, okay, you go there, you know, a thousand miles, you'll reach heaven. Like it, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, we know God is all around us. We kind of get the sense that heaven is sort of like that, but we don't really know. And so in a lot of my, um, previous books, I said, you know, it's probably like an extra dimensional thing, not not to literalize everything or not to take the majesty out of what heaven is. But um, if we're if we're going to think about it in like terms that, you know, people from our age might kind of understand it, it, it's sort of like an extra dimensional thing, possibly um, it's 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 like immaterial it's it's beyond the physical realm, but it's still like here at the same time. And so. So I so in the appendix I was saying you know what what if some of these constructs of heaven are actually affecting the gravity of earth and causing it to you know appear to be heavier than it should be I still say it could be true but it, it that that's not the best way to interpret some of the verses that I used and I should have if if I wasn't reacting to something um while I might have kept that idea in the back of my head. And I might've even done a couple videos saying, Hey, what if it's this? Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, I, I don't think that I would have taken the time to write a whole chapter on it. And, uh, so let, let, let's say that like, I didn't personally lose these friends that I was really close with and looked up to. And let's, let's say that like Christians weren't fighting with each other about this topic. Um, I don't think I would have taken the time to write that whole chapter because it took a long time to write it. It's a, it's a long, it's a long thing. And to explain how these extra dimensional constructs could all work and you still have, you know, 
you, you, you still have the model of the universe that most people accept and, and, but you can still use all the, but I, I, I think the problem was I was making the same mistake that I believe that some people make when supporting flat earth is I was, I was taking verses or cause I wasn't all in on it. I wasn't saying this is how it was, but I, I was accepting the possibility of taking verses, taking poetic verses more literal than they should. And I know a lot of times we hear that word poetic and then we want to, sometimes we want to just shy away from that as, as like it makes it less true or like, Oh, well, anytime you don't want to believe something in the Bible, then you just say it's poetic. And then that that's all you have to do. Then you don't have to think about it. And that is a straw man way to think. Uh, people, the, the people that when, when you talk to somebody who, who, you know, doesn't literalize the whole thing, but see, sees poetry in the Bible because there is, we can't get around it. There is poetry. There's entire books of poetry in the Bible. You can't get around it. it. They're not, they're not thinking that because they're, they're stupid or they're just not thinking, or they're not willing to accept that anything supernatural exists or that that's such a straw man. There's nothing real about that. There, there's nothing accurate about that. Um, the reason that they're taking it poetically is because that's just the, that that's the most sensical appropriate way to take it because it's poetic language and it, it it's just as simple as that. Um, and we, we know that even Jesus used some of this language, you know, Jesus used poetic language all the time. Um, it, 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 like, okay, he, he called himself a, a door or even a, a gate. So, you know, using, using my possible extra dimensional, um, perception, do, does that mean that when we go to heaven, when when we you know see see the earth from let's say a higher dimension, and that's probably not a good way to even describe it anyway. Um, but let let's j- just for sake of where we're at in the twenty first century, and let, let's just say that that let's use that. Um, do we think that we're going to look at Jesus and he's going to, he's going to actually look like a door? Like, uh, when he's on earth, he looks like a man, but really his real image is, is a door or a gate just to, just to make those descriptions be literally true. Like no one thinks that, you know, that that's, that's totally unreasonable because we know that he's speaking metaphorically or poetically, you know, and, and sometimes metaphors, poetry, that kind of stuff, it, it can be the best way to explain a truth. Like the parables do 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 we for us to believe the parables would we have to say you know there really at some point there really was a man planting a field and some of the seeds went here and some of the no that that doesn't have to be like okay if that didn't literally happen if there wasn't some time where this actually happened that god is referring to then it's not true we're we're only thinking of literal truth that's only one way to convey truth um, and, and literal, literal truth really only works with just the physical material world. But see, that's why we're so tempted by it because we live in a physical material scientific, uh, age where we're inundated with that. We're not taught, we're only taught to think literally, you know, so, so we're not really taught to think like poetically or metaphorically, but there are concepts and ideas that are absolutely real, but you wouldn't call them like literal in the sense that that it it's like a physical manifestation of something so i mean we even we even get the word literal kind of mixed up on what that means um we we tend to think literal means real <laughs> but that's not that's not right uh 
literal is just basically just exactly what it says. I, I, how do you use it without putting the 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 word in? Well, here let's let's actually let, let's look up a dictionary definition of the word literal and let's see how to how to define it. Um, definition literal. All right, and it says. Um, taking words in their usual or most basic sense without metaphor or allegory uh, or of a translation representing the exact words of the original text. Okay, so if it's like a translation, a literal translation is you're representing the exact words. You're not embellishing on it. Uh, but the one that we're looking for here is taking words in their usual or most basic sense without allegory or metaphor. Uh, so like, and it gives the example dreadful and, and here I can dreadful it, here. This is so you can look at what I'm looking at dreadful in its literal sense, full of dread, All right? Dreadful, full of dread. So literal is just the most basic sense without metaphor or allegory. So it doesn't mean real. It doesn't mean true. You, you know, it, it doesn't mean it, it, it's not that it's, it's just w whatever you're talking about. Just, it, it's basically reducing it down, taking the most basic sense of it and communicating that. All right. So there's a lot of literal truth in the Bible, but there's also a lot of poetic metaphorical truth that, that can, I, I wouldn't say it's more true, but it, it, it can, it, it's, it's a different way to convey truth that can add more to what we're looking at. Um, so, I wanted to go through some of those verses that I used and show uh, specifically on the pillars because, again, that, that chapter was really long and I've already been talking for half an hour. So uh, I want to go through some of those verses uh, quickly with you because we, we I want to talk about this Texas politician and then I got to get ready for the day and head out to work. Uh, but... Um, but I wanted to quickly go through some of these verses and show you that, you know, I've come to the realization that... Um, the, 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 I, there's no reason, there was no real reason for me to even bring in the, the, the like extra dimensional idea into it. Could it be true? It could be, but there's no reason to think really that it is, um, based on just the text itself, because the, the, the most, the easiest way to understand it is that this is just, this is poetic language. Uh, so I'm going to show you some examples of, and we're just, we're only going to talk about pillars, but I'm going to show you some examples of literal instances where it talks about pillars and then, and then poetic ones. And, and even some that I used in, uh, in that appendix. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I want to like really emphasize to, it was just an appendix at the end of the book. It, it does, it has, it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the book. So, um, so yeah, let's get, let's, let's get into it then. Because again, like, like I said, I think, I think just the, the poetry angle, that's not something we should be afraid of or shy. And I, th I think the reason that people are uncomfortable with it is because they don't know what literal means. And I, I and I'm not saying people are stupid, but you know, there was a time I didn't know what it meant either, but I think it's just that, uh, you know, about five seconds ago when I had to look up the definition, <laughs> but, um, but I think it's, it's, you know, we believe in the Bible and we, we, we love the Bible and we, you know, we love Jesus and we love God so much that we don't, we, we, we don't want to give anybody an excuse to not believe what it says for what it says. But we can't, 
we we have to be really careful. And like I said, I'm guilty of this too. So I'm owning up to it. I'm admitting it. Um, and I'm hoping other people who who have done this. It, it, I'm hoping this will make you comf- Like if you if you've done this too, I hope it makes you comfortable realizing you know it's okay. Like it's actually better to you know admit that you made a mistake because then you can learn and grow from it and make sure you don't make it again. Because what's most important to me is 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 getting the text right and making sure that. Um, what we're looking at, you know, that that I'm representing the Bible correctly and I'm representing Jesus correctly. Are we ever going to have absolutely perfect theology or or like a per- perfect uh, interpretations of, of the Bible? Not on this side of heaven, you know. There, there. It's just a given. There are going to be things that we have wrong ideas about. Um. So, it, it, but it's are we going to fully embrace that and then chase every wild crazy theory that we can think of we shouldn't do that that's very irresponsible um and so i got to keep myself in check too because sometimes you hear something and it's exciting and it's like wow is that true um so before we talk about it we should you know research it but not with the conclusion in mind that we want this thing to be the truth so we're going to go and and reinterpret the bible into that that mindset and um, because, and, and what I mean is when I was using these verses, it was, it was a reaction to the flat earth stuff. So I wasn't, I wasn't reading these verses and then coming away with the idea of extra dimensional earth. I already had that idea based on that discrepancy in the mathematics, uh, in the article that I read. And then, so, and then I also had this flat earth thing happening. And then, so I thought, well, Hey, uh, Maybe these verses mean that, and, and like I said, I I I I didn't say that it was like true or truth or anything. I did I did say throughout the, that that this is very speculative and it's just a possibility. Um, but still, there's no way. There's just there's just no reason to think to think that there there, there really is no good reason because when you read these verses. Um, it's it's just obvious that it's poetic language, and we're we're gonna and, and that that is what should be the focus. Like if I was gonna write a chapter on these verses at all, it should have been look at this beautiful poetry, and let's look at what the, the the truth that it's really communicating. Look how amazing and powerful God is. That should have been that should have been the focus if I was gonna write a chapter at all. So you know I I look at that appendix now and kind of think that was a missed opportunity, um, and so. I want to improve on that. So let, let's talk about let's talk about some of these some of these verses. So let's look at a literal um, example. Jeremiah fifty two fifty one. You know, for a little bit of context, it, it, it's not we're not doing a whole study into this, but um, you know, it's talking about here. You know, as for the two pillars, one uh, the one sea, the twelve bronze bowls that were under the sea, the uh, stands which which Solomon the king had made for the house of the Lord. All right, so this is something that Solomon the king had made for the temple for the house of the Lord. Um, as for the pillars, the height of one pillar was eighteen cubits, its circumference was twelve cubits, and its thickness was four fingers, and it was hollow. All right, so this is literal. This this one is absolutely literal because we have physical dimensions measurements. There's no there's no reason to think that this is poetic, right? So here's an example of of something that's like obviously literal and no one would contend with. All right, and that's Jeremiah 52. Well, elsewhere in the book of Jeremiah, we have um, we have an example of the, that that the same word pillar being used in in more of a metaphoric or poetic sense. So, 
you know, you can you can read this. It's just right in the first chapter. But you know, we'll 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 back up a little bit. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and every one shall set his throne in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls, and around and against the cities of Judah, and I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worship the works of their own hands. But you dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything I commanded you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And then here's our verse. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, a uh, and bronze walls against the whole land, uh, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and uh, the people of the land. Okay, so here's more metaphoric. This is just talking about like the strength, like the like what, what the, like the Lord saying, "This is what I'm going to do for you." Um, I'm, it, it's like I'm going to make you like like this, like you know, think of these things. That's how strong you're going to be. He's not literally saying, "I'm going to transform you." into a city like your people now but i'm going to transform you into a city and then that city is actually an iron pillar literally and bronze walls it's both of those and then that iron pillar and those bronze walls are going to go against the whole land against the kings of judah so it's not going to be people doing that it's going to be walls and this iron pillar that's also a city see it, it just it doesn't that doesn't work literally does that mean that it's not true of course not. I mean, it, it is absolutely true, but it's it's metaphoric language. It's poetic language. Um, I, you know, probably saying metaphoric is more accurate. But but it's it's he's using God is using an example of of something. Of, you know, to put a picture in their mind um, to show them uh, like what what they're going to be like, like how, how they're going to be. So there's an example of. And by the way, I did not use that in the appendix. Not not everything we're going to look at I put in that appendix. So I'm just, I'm just I'm laying the case for you know the poetry metaphorical thing. So um there there's there's a case where pillar is literal, there's a case where pillar is metaphorical and that and that's in the same book. They, these are both in Jeremiah. So th- this was like a common thing that was done using and, and you know, we have we have words like that in in English, you're going to be tough as nails. Does that mean that you know, if, if you tell somebody they're tough as nails, uh, does that mean that their skin is literally na- no? Of course not. And nobody reading that would think that because you're you're using metaphorical language to show how how you know to to talk about somebody's like attitude. Let's look at another one. Um, this is Genesis 26, and we know the story. You know, Lot and his wife they're they're fleeing from the city. Lot's wife is told not to look back. Uh, but she does, and then what? What happens? But Lot, Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, this one somebody could say is is metaphoric, but I think this I think this is literal. I believe this is literal because I don't see that. For one thing, that's the end of the story. When we look at the context, he overthrew those cities and the valley and all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. You know, you know, the sun had risen on the earth when um, Lot came to Zoar, and then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. By the way, there's a really cool reason why Lord is mentioned twice there. Too much to get into today, but that that's like a really cool 
thing that is sort of, well, it's too much to get into, but he overthrew the cities. Okay, so this is all an account of just what what happened. You know, I, I would put this whole passage in the literal camp. Now, could this pillar of salt be something poetic, meaning something else? It, it, I guess, but it doesn't explain it, and there's not really a reason to think that because unless there was some idiom that I'm not aware of where pillar of salt like in that day meant something else you know because that that could be there are there are places uh definitely places in the bible where you can't really tell if it's literal or metaphorical and then sometimes it's because there was like uh like a turn of phrase or an idiom or something that the people of that time used to explain something else um that that can happen i I I'm not aware of any with the pillar of salt thing so I don't I don't right now I don't have a reason to think that this is anything but literal so I think this is literal I think she literally turned around and became a pillar of salt. Uh but again there are other ways like if there was some idiom or something and it meant something else then it, it could be but it's not it's not explained so we, I I I'm not aware of anything like that. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be true. Uh but so that's that's literal, right? Let, let let's I think pretty much there's a pretty pretty much consensus in Christianity that that's literal. Okay, well let's look at a similar thing in Revelation. So she she became a pillar of salt. She turned into a pillar of salt. She was a human, then she was like I guess a pillar of salt that looked like her maybe or who who knows. But she was a human, then not, then pillar of salt. All right, Revelation three twelve. Um, and, and this is now this is talking to uh one of the this is Jesus sending a letter to one of the churches um and he he says you know i'm coming soon hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown uh and then revelation 312 uh the one who conquers i will make him a pillar in the temple of my god uh never shall he go out of it and i will write on him the name of my god and the name of the city of my god the new jerusalem which comes down from my god out of heaven and my new na- my own new name um, let's hope that's not literal, <laughs> right? Because what would that mean? What would that be saying? Well, just as Abraham's, uh, or, uh, excuse me, Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. Like, okay, so our reward is that we're going to become a pill, like we're going to be, we're going to be turned into a pillar, um, in this temple. Like, so we're going to be a pillar of the temple. We're, we're not allowed to leave. We can't go out of it. Like, we're just always a temple or a pillar holding up the ceiling and God's going to inscribe things in us. And wouldn't that hurt? And no one takes that literally, but we know what he's saying. You know, we understand what he's saying. He's, he's, he's like, you're going to be like, you're going to be with me. You're going to, you're, and you're actually going to, you're going to have like a strong status where you're, you're actually doing something that's important. Um, you know you're going to have you're going to have an important status and you know he's not literally going to like carve his name he he's saying you know you're going to be you're going to be mine and uh my my name's going to be on you because you know when people look at you they're going to know they're going to think of me they're going to know that you're with me um you know like like i i would say like my name is on my kids you, you know it's not really a phrase that we use but what i mean is like they're my kids like they know oh like you're 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 Josh's son or you you know you're Josh's daughter that it, it 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 it's more that so we know that that's poetic and metaphorical you know we we know that that and 
thank God, because again, what what a weird afterlife that would be, right? If it was just if it was just literal and it just meant just exactly what it what it said in a literal sense that we're we're gonna have to hold up the the temple ceiling and that's our eternity and we're not allowed to leave, <laughs> you know. So there are places where pillar is used where it's totally appropriate to uh to, to take it as poetry because to take it literally would be would be silly and there are some people that will say well if you're going to take one thing as poetry then you got to take all of it as poetry no because that that's again that's like reductive the the whole bible is it's not all literal it's not all poetic it's not all metaphoric it's not all j- just like it's not all the law it's not all the prophets it's not all the gospel now you can of course you can find elements of all of that stuff in the bible you know i mean in a sense like like the whole Bible is the gospel in that, like, you could even look at the the law of Moses and see how it points towards Jesus. Yeah, you know, of course. Um, so, but that doesn't make any of it, like, less true. You, you know, it's it's just the way that we classify ways of conveying the truth, right? So we have a literal way, a literal way, we have a poetic way. There's just ways of of conveying the truth. Um, and you, you know, but, but again, you could always have that Christian that says, well, Josh, the the Bible is all gospel because all of it points to Jesus. I know, but when, when I know that, but we don't, when we, when we, when we give somebody a Bible, we don't say, here's a gospel for you. Uh, You know, when we go to church, all right, open your gospels to Psalms one, you know, we don't, that's just not how we classify it. We, we classify the gospels as the, the, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and you know, we, we classify the, the, the law, we classify the prophets, the, the, so we have, we have words for all that. We have classifications, but it doesn't mean that any of those are less true. Just like a metaphoric truth isn't less true than a literal truth. It's just it's just a different method to convey truth. All right, so let's 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 look at some others. Um, now I have to remember the points that I was going to try. I should keep notes, like the points I was going to want that I wanted to make with all these. But um, oh, okay. So here here's one where I think that uh, pillars is being poetic, and it, so the, the reason that I wanted to look at those first ones was to show that there there are uses of the word pillar in the Bible where it is obviously poetic. It's obviously metaphorical, you know. And right right now, I know there's a difference between the word metaphor and poetic, but just for right now, just just I'm just using those interchangeably for right now. Um because in what we're gonna look look at, there are there are specific like poetry books, but but it's it's using a metaphor. So I'm just I'm just using just just to be clear, I'm just using those metaphorically right now. Um or metaphor. I'm using those interchangeably right now. Excuse me. Uh, so I think that I think that the easiest way to understand this passage or this verse, that this this use of the word pillar, um, is poetic. So it's Psalm 75. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. Selah. 
Um, so judging with equity, you know, this, let's say if it's, if it's talking about like the day of the Lord, there's going to be a time where God comes and judges the world. And it, all throughout the Bible, you get the, this language of like the earth teetering to and fro. And, and a lot of times we want to think literally now, could it be? Could that be part of it? Yeah, it could be like there could be earthquakes. I mean, we actually know there are earthquakes, but I don't think that's only what it's talking about. Right. With the earth teetering to and fro, we we the see with something like that, a description like that, people that were reading this and, and us today, we're aware earthquakes exist. So when we think earth tottering, you know, we might think earthquakes, but but with this, the whole earth doing it. You know, that, that seems to be something a little bit more chaotic. Um, and so I think, I think the main point here is it's conveying like not even the earth is going to be able to withstand this because God is so powerful and, you know, you better get right with the Lord because you don't want, you don't want him judging you like this because even the earth, it can't. I think that's the idea. But it says, when the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. So what is it talking about with pillars there? Is this metaphoric or or if we think of it literally, do we think that there are pillars like in the earth or under the earth and God's going to keep those steady somehow, which, you know, if, if it's literal, then those pillars are holding the earth up or they're like in the earth somehow. He's somehow going to keep those steady, but then the earth is going to. Like, how does that work if the pillars are like fastened to it? Because there's other language in the Bible that says that that like they're they're like fastened or something. Um, so literally, you have to do a lot of it, it. It it doesn't make any kind of plain literal sense. Now, what does make sense is if it's if it's poetic and it's it's just saying like, look, I I I the one who who uh, the earth can't withstand you know my judgment like it, it is also i that can steady it it is also i that keeps steady its pillars like right now or or for for the righteous because as we read on he's he's making a distinction between the wicked and the righteous um and we actually get another metaphor because because if you're going to take that pillars literally you would have to take something else literally here too um, and I say to the boastful, don't boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with a haughty neck. Well, what horn? Is that like a horn coming out of their head? Is it like a trumpet? What what horn are we talking about? Or maybe it's just a metaphor uh, saying, like, don't be boastful. Don't lift your horn up high, you know. Um, th this could be one of those idioms, but, but we can, we can read it and get a sense because it's even down here. I will declare, and this is Psalm 75, uh, nine and 10. I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked, I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Okay. We don't have horns, <laughs> right? Not literally. That's, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying like, like, okay, let's say, it, okay, all the corn, all the horns I will cut off. So think of like a rhinoceros or something. Like think of a big animal that has a horn coming out of it. Well, that's its main, uh, that's its main mode of like defense or aggression or something. That's what it uses as its like source of power. Like how how it how it uh, can defend itself. You know th this this horn. God's saying like, well, for the wicked, you know, whatever that that is for them metaphorically, I'm going to cut that off. They're not going to have a defense. They're, they're going to be weak, you know, in my presence. That's the idea. But the righteous, their their horn shall be lifted up. 
you know, because the righteous aren't against God, they're with God. So, uh, so that's, that's our strength. That's, so our horn isn't going to be cut off. It's going to be lifted up. So it's metaphorical because we don't all literally have horns. And the same is like, if you want to say, well, though, that's horn like trumpet. Okay. It's the same thing though. Um, it's the same idea. So there's no reason to think that this literally means that pillars are in the earth. When you take the whole thing in context, it's, it's, it's poetic language, but it's also very, it's true. It's very true. Uh, here's another one. Um, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. So see, you know, the, the, the earth has seven pillars in it. Uh, all right. There's a lot of metaphors going on here. Um, the wisdom of God is being referred to as a woman, like, like, and, and even like a separate entity, we know that's not literally true because there's only one God, right? And um, this, this this wisdom that's talked about here, it, it's metaphor. It's it's using the idea of a woman as a metaphor to explain what's going on. Um, there's also something in the in the language uh, about um, about we, we don't really have this in in English. Um, I, I, well, sometimes we, not really, but sometimes we do. Like when we talk about cities, we usually say like her. So like if we talk about like, uh, or countries like Israel, we'll say like her people. Um, we don't, we don't mean literally that the, that, that Israel is a female, you know, it, it's, it's just a way of referring to it. Um, so there is, there is that too. But when you, when you read this, this talking about, it's talking about wisdom itself, uh, you know, the wisdom of the wisdom of God specifically, and it, it's referring to her as a woman. So there's a lot of metaphoric language going on here. Does that mean that it's a lie? Does that mean that it's a true, that it's not true? Um, well, if you say that the Bible is 100% literal, you would have to say that there's either some other woman God out there called wisdom or that the Bible teaches, li you would have to say that the Bible is lying, but no, it's because it's not all literally true. That doesn't mean that it's all not true. It just means there's other ways to convey truth. So this is, this is a metaphor. So it, it, you know, it, it would stand to reason the same would be true for the pillars. So we, we just have to keep in mind that it's perfectly fine and acceptable that some of this stuff is poetic. We don't have to be afraid of that. You know, it can actually help us and as well as it should, because it's true. It, it helps us gain, um, a, a clearer view of picture a clear a clearer picture of scripture excuse me a view of scripture picture scripture view <laughs> it helps us it helps us uh look at the text more clearly and when we compare it to how we talk today i mean this should be totally natural because we talk like this too uh, we don't only speak in literal truths all the time we we use metaphor and poetry to explain what we're talking about especially if we're talking about like feelings or emotion or somebody's attributes um, you know, the strength somebody has or, or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that shouldn't scare us or worry us. That shouldn't make us think that it's going to be harder for somebody to accept the Bible if they have to do that. It's look, the God gave us the Bible that we have the way that it is for a reason. And so we just have to let the text say what it says. Um, all right. So here's another one. Uh, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. Um, by his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the uh, thunder 
of his power who can understand. Um, and, you know, even up here, he is inscribed a circle on the face of the waters and the boundary between light and darkness. Um, he, he's, he covers the face of the full moon and spreads uh, and, and spreads over it his cloud. I'm kind of reading backwards, but he, he binds up the water in his thick clouds and the water doesn't split open. Okay, so all, all of this stuff, th- this, is, this is just this is poetry to show how amazing God is. Um, otherwise, you have to say that literally the moon ha- has, he covers the face of the full moon. Okay, so the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. So you would have to say that if I'm reading that literally, that like God has one, a, a cloud that's His, like that's separate from because it's not clouds, it's cloud, His cloud that go that covers the face of only the full moon, not not the other phases of the moon, but the full moon. It's just literally how does that work? Um, he has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters, so like a, a perfect circle on the face of the waters. At the boundary between light and darkness. Okay, well, what's the boundary between light and darkness? You know, we would, we would, in a literal sense, then we would say, well, that's, that's where like day becomes night and that, that boundary of like where the sun's light shines and where it doesn't shine. All right, but that, that's constantly moving, right? So that, and also that boundary is really why that you in a literal sense you wouldn't call it a boundary because it's not like at this exact inch there's light and this exact inch there's darkness there's a bunch of gray area where it's kind of light and kind of dark I, I mean there's like hours of the day where it's like that so it, it's like it's like a gradient in, in a literal sense um and then what would the, the the okay so the circle on the face of the waters at the boundary, so at this boundary between light and dark, just in the twilight, I guess, or in the in like midday or or, or late afternoon or, or wherever it, it it's like not daytime anymore, but it's not quite night. So during those few hours of the darkness, but only on the face of the waters, though, um, is this this circle thing. Now, I, I just I don't I don't see why we would have to try to explain it in such a literal sense when the easy thing to say is like god is just powerful like the the, the what what message is it communicating here is it trying to get us to understand this thing about a literal circle a, the literal boundary between light and dark you know literally the face of and it's only the waters too it's not the land you know because it says on the face of the waters so, you know, some would say, well, that's that's the, the, the circle that some try to say that it's the equator. Some say it's like the, the, the circle that passes around the earth as night becomes day. But but it says it says on the face of the water. So why not the land, too? Why not on the face of the earth uh, as a planet? Because that's not what it says. If we're taking it as just an absolutely literal thing, then this this verse only applies to the face of the waters. He's inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. And he's not saying that the boundary between light and darkness is the circle. He's saying that is the location where he described the inscribed the circle. The location is on the face of the waters. Where's the face of the waters? It is at the boundary between light and darkness. What did he What did he do there? He inscribed a circle. So just literally, it just it it. Even if you take, 
any kind of model of the earth, you know, even even the spherical heliocentric model that, that I believe in. Um, I wouldn't use this to to say that that's what they're communicating. They're not they're not communicating anything about the shape of the earth in, in, in this. It's 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 who who is in charge of creation, who is in charge of this light darkness of of the day and the night and all, all like all of creation and, and who who's who who's the one that has done all this well god this this is this is all poetic language to show just how powerful god is and sometimes you can't describe that in a literal sense how could you well you know how would you describe god's power or strength in a literal sense well he can lift a million pounds, okay, not a million and one. Like, there's no number that you could put on there. Like, to to really speak appropriately and accurately about God's strength, you you, you have to use metaphors. I mean, you you can you can give examples of things that He's done, but every time you try to describe His strength literally, what you're really doing is you're reducing Him down to that, and, and you're saying that 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 okay, He's done this, He's done this, He's is strong, He's so strong He can do this, but it's like. It, it's it's almost like saying, but he's not stronger than that. He he can't do like look how strong he is. Look what he did with Israel. Okay, what, so he he can't do that with other countries. Like it, it's almost like putting a limit on it. To to, to speak of God's strength literally, um, you're putting a limit on it because you're saying he can do these things, but no more. So you have to you have to use. Um, cause think about it when, if you're talking about like how strong your dad is or something, you, you know, sometimes when we're kids, we talk about like how, when we were kids, we talk about like, well, my, my dad could beat up your dad. You know, I saw him lift a car once. Okay. Well, that's putting a limit on him, right? Um, obviously the dad did not lift a car, but let, let's say, let's say that was true. Well, obviously the kid is using the best example he can think of to show the, the, the strength of his dad. So, uh, he can lift a car. Um, well, that's limiting the dad to only being able to lift a car. Does that make sense? Because if he could lift a house, the kid would just say that. So it's the same thing here. If if we could communicate God's strength literally, but but we can't because anything we say limits him to whatever example we would give. So we have to use metaphor. I mean, even in the create, well, God created the earth. Oh, but not the universe. So, see, we're we're limiting him to just just the earth if if we're speaking only literally in that sense and then so that's why we say things no, no all of creation uh heaven above and earth below and uh you know all all of create and then we have to use these these i mean even heaven above and earth below is metaphoric because heaven isn't like a compass direction like it's not a direction that you can travel to far enough and you would get there so we have it's just it's easier and more accurate to use metaphorical language in in saying things like that um, now you could say like you know okay well his strength is infinite, all right fine true but we can't really get our heads around infinity. I mean I can't get my head around and neither can you around a number that just doesn't end. That there's there's always the example of one more number and it's because even infinity isn't literally true. It's a concept. You know, um, famous mathematician Carl uh, uh, Gauss even said that he he, he like detested that that infinity would ever be used in mathematics, because he said it, it's 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 more of a it's not a real number. You know, it's not a real number. It's it's not it's not a literal number. It, it could be real in the sense that it's real as a concept, but it's not like a literal number that you would ever be able to write down because you could always add one. Um, so. 
even saying that God's strength is infinite is not a literal statement. It's it's a metaphorical one. Okay, so I, I don't want to get too hung up on that. Um, continuing on. Uh, no, 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 no. Where are we at here? Another Job one. Um, okay, he who removes the mountains, this is Job 9, 5 and continuing. He who removes the mountains and they know it not when he overturns them in anger. Okay, mountains. Do we think these are literal mountains? Could they be symbols for something else? Could they be? Could they possibly be nations or people? Maybe. Or could it be that it's just a metaphor that God's using? Uh, can God literally remove mountains? Yes. But would you describe the mountains as they know not? You know, they, they don't know it when he overturns them in his anger. Well, of course they don't know it. They don't have brains. Is that a literal statement that needs to be that needs to be communicated. Nobody thinks that mountains has brains. It's because the point of the passage is not to teach like the biology of a mountain, which there is none. That's not the point. The point is like, look at this big, amazing mountain, but God is so much stronger. He can overturn them in his anger and the mountains don't even know it because even though these mountains are huge and they're way bigger than us and they're strong, you know, we can't, we can't take one of these things down. Uh, but even though they're all that, even the mountains are so below God, they don't even know. Uh, you know, it, it's it's using the mountains as a big, strong thing to compare to to God, saying like, God is so not only so much stronger than these things, but he he has emotions and anger, and he know he knows everything. And these mountains don't even don't even have any of that. They don't even know. So the idea is not to communicate that mountains don't have brains or consciousness. Everybody knows that. It's to say, you know. We, we see this mountain as like a daunting thing. Like to climb a mountain is like a big achievement, right? Um, but compared to God, they're like, they're nothing. Cause they, they, they don't even know when he overturns them in his anger. Like they, they have, they're, they're, they're unco- it, It's, it's like a reminder of what a mountain really is to put it in perspective compared against God. So it's, it's, but then what do we have after that? Um, we get something else who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble, who commands the sun and it does not rise, who seals up the stars, who alone stretches out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. So we have all of this language showing these things. There's no reason to think that this is like actual, like literal, like that's not the point. The point is this is how amazing and powerful God is. Let's look at all of these things that you know and and use poetic language to to show his strength look at all of these things and he's he's more powerful than all that um so and, and you know it goes on and on and on from from there um seems like i wanted to say something down here or maybe i already did but so we have more to look at okay uh here's another one i think I think this might be the last one. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is the famous famous passage where where you know Job is like questioning God and God's letting him have it. So he says, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth?" The whole idea that God's going to get across here is like, "I created everything. Know your place. You don't even know what you're talking about." That's that's the idea. All right. That's what he's going to communicate here. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? 
surely you know who stretched the line upon it okay now that stretching the line upon it a lot of people say that 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 is also the equator or maybe that's the boundary between light and darkness um but stretch the line that's like a measurement device like when you we we would say, we would say tape, tape like we use tape measures now but but back then they would actually have like like lines like strings like ropes that they would use to measure off things that they were building God's using that language to communicate to Job, I made the earth. Like, I, I created the earth. That's what God's telling Job here. Um, you know, where were you when I measured it's, it, when I measured the pieces that I, is he literally, do we literally think that he has a literal measuring line that he's, that he's used? Did he build the earth like that the way we would build a house? No. We, and we know he didn't because he spoke it into existence and, and the Bible describes that. So we know he didn't, like, He's not like a construction worker, like literally measuring out pieces of, because even then, even if, even if, even if we were going to think that, where'd the pieces come from, right? Where did the materials come from? He still had to make those. Um, so that it's a measurement thing. And we, we, and that's also supported by the first part of the verse who determined its measurements, surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it. So who, who, who measured all this out? But do we literally think God made it that way? Like, like when you think of God, like making a tree, do we think of him like putting up pieces of wood and nailing them and measuring them and measuring the tree and making, no, he, 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 he speaks things into existence and then they reproduce. And so now they grow from seeds. But if you take that all the way back to the beginning, he spoke things into existence and they just were, he, he didn't need materials to build anything out of. He didn't need measuring lines or hammers or nails but what he's trying to he's not communicating like what what he's trying to tell job he's trying to put job in his place he's not communicating like the literal scientific materialistic like truth of how he created the world or how the world is structured he, he that's not the point he's using this language um to tell Job, like, hey, when I created this stuff, and he's getting into like specifics, he's using metaphor, and he, I, I, you know, part of it, he's trying, he's trying to kind of make him feel dumb, uh, because he's he's putting him in his place. You know, God loved Job, of course, but he's he's putting Job in his place and saying, oh, you know, you're 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 so smart. Well, where were you when I was when I was uh, nailing these boards and putting up these walls and building these pillars? You, you know, it's just it's just language that he's using to 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 make a point to Job. And, you know, the, the, the whole thing is like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, cha it changed like the, the, it changed like clay under a seal. I mean, just right there we have like, uh, and its features stood out like a garment uh, from the wicked. Their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken, you know, and what is it talking about? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? Um, so do we think that's literal? Like the, the, the skirts, the contours of the earth and the wicked are literally shaken out of it and they're flying off into space. It, it's, it's metaphoric language and that's the easiest way to understand it. Now, if somebody really wanted to, they could, try to make the literal approach work they 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 could kind of cram it and force it in there but you got to do a lot of 
you, you got to do a lot of stuff mentally that I don't think the Bible intends us to do. And the reason that I wanted to do that video is because I, in, in that appendix, in that book, I was offering another way to do exactly that. You know, to, 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 to do these kind of mental things to make this, this work. You know, that, that like the pillars are, are literally true, but it's in heaven. And, and, you know, once we're in heaven, we'll actually really see how the earth is constructed and there's all this other stuff. There's just no, maybe, you know, but there's, and I did, and like I said, I did say that in the appendix. This is speculation. Maybe this could be. I don't know. You, you know, I did say all that, but there really wasn't any reason for me to even write it. And that, that's why I wanted to do this video and say that I was wrong because I, I, the only reason I was writing it was not because I read these verses and then I came to that conclusion through the verses. It was, it was because of everything that I said in the beginning of the video. So I, I, I don't, I don't think my, my reasons for it were, were all that great. So when you actually read the verses in context, uh, and there's a lot of verses like this, um, when you read them in context, just the best, most, the, the, just the best way to understand them, the easiest way, the, the most in, intentional, the, what I think the Bible intended us to take it as. These verses, if if they're poetry, that you know, you take them as poetry. Um, there there was one other one that talked, and I. There was one more that I wanted to talk about, and I thought that I brought it up. Um, give me a, give me a second. There, there's, where is it? There was one more where it talks about the, where it talks about the waves and it talks about that, like God has put like doors and gates in the, in the waters that, that, that like make sure like the waves don't come up too far on land and, and, um, that not everything is overtaken, and uh, I'm having I'm having a hard time finding it now. I thought I thought I brought it up, but maybe maybe I didn't. I'm like going through all these verses now, but um, well, I apologize. There's a. So somebody, somebody else will probably be able to find it, but there, and I think it's in Job. But there's, um, there's a verse in Job that talks about. I thought it was here in thirty-eight. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm I might just be missing it because I might be missing it because uh, I'm I'm trying to do a show while I'm finding this. I should I should have highlighted it so I knew where I was where I was going with all this. Oh wait, is this it? Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Yeah. All right. It was actually just right after I was, I was right after the point where I stopped, but, um, <laughs> all right. So he's saying, you know, um, you know, were you, were you here when I did this? Um, or who, who did, who did all this? Who, who created all this? Who determined its measurements? Okay. Then it says, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? So you'd have to have literal, literal doors and literal womb. When I made clouds its garment uh, and thick darkness its swaddling band, so you'd have to take those literally too, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors 
and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. So he's talking about waves here, and he's referring to them as proud, as if they have, you know, if we're taking this literally, they have consciousness and they're proud. But he's talking about waves, and he's talking about, like, how far they come on land and, and recede, and, like, like they're allowed to come this far on land, but no more. And and it says because of these bars and doors. So do we literally think that like all, all around the land in in our countries and you, you know so in this case it would be in it would have been in Israel or or wherever wherever Job was at the time um, in somewhere in the Middle East do we do we think that the waters like literally had literal bars and doors that kept the waves from coming too far inland and, and killing everybody? No, of course not. Of course not. The, the the point is, God is the one that's in control of that stuff. He's the one that gets to say if the waves are going to come up, how far they're going to come up on shore, if they're going to destroy everybody or not. Like, he's the one that makes that decision. He's using the language of bars and doors as metaphor to, to so, so Job can kind of understand what he's talking about here. But he's not, God's not suggesting that he literally put doors and bars in the water to to keep the waves from like like artificial like doors and bars it just it it doesn't work and you would have to take all of this literally if if you want to if if you want to say this language is literal you know who laid the cornerstone the the the, the line the foundation of the earth if you want to say that's literal you would have to be consistent and say that these are literal too that the bar that there are bars and doors on the coasts that keep the water and, and no, of course, we all understand that that's poetic and metaphoric. We we all understand that, but that if you're going to say that it's that it, that these descriptions are literal, you you would have to be consistent and take those too because it, it's it's described in the same way. It's in the same passage, you know. God's using the same manner of of, of speaking and language. So you you would have to say that as well to be consistent. Whereas I say, well, no, it's it's you know the descriptions are poetic to speak to a higher truth that, uh, or or a more full truth, I guess that that God is in control of all of this. He's the one that is controlling this whole thing. You know, he, that's how powerful and strong and and in control and and amazing that he is. It's not talking about the methods that he does things. It's just that he's the one doing them, and and he's he's saying he's saying to Job like you know, and who are you to question me? That that's the point. And I I know some people think that you know well if we teach it like that, people are gonna read it and they're gonna think that it's literal and they're gonna be deceived, and you know they're they're gonna they're 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 gonna be mistaken. You know they're gonna think the Bible teaches well. It, it, quit worrying about how other people are going to take it. How was it intended to be read? That's the whole point. How was it intended to be read? And looking at things, and of course, am I saying the whole Bible is poetic? No, and that's reductive in a straw man, you know, because sometimes that will get said about people who say that parts of the Bible are poetic. Well, then you just don't know what to believe. No, you believe the poetry too. You believe, you believe it all. It's all true. All of the Bible is true. There are just different ways to convey truth. And there's nothing wrong with that because we do that every day of our lives. Uh, and it, it, we, we do that all the time. And we don't have any problem, you know, knowing when somebody's 
speaking literally or metaphorically. It's just, it's, it's not really an issue. Now, sometimes can it be difficult? Sometimes can it be vague? Sometimes, but, but typically, typically, if we don't, if, if we're not like overthinking it or obsessing, obsessing to the point that we, we, we're, we're, we're trying to find something in it that's not there. Like if we're not doing that, then it's pretty self explanatory. Um, now, do I think it's a salvation issue? Uh, no, but I mean, I guess it would depend on how far you take it because there there are some people that would take the literal thing so far and say, well, you know, <clears throat> there are very, very few people who would who would do this, but say, well, you know, some of the things that Jesus said weren't literally true, so I'm not buying any of it. You know, so, so, okay, well, then they're being silly because there's lots of things that aren't literally true that they believe in just fine. I love you to the moon and back. Well, it's not literally true, so I don't, I don't believe you. You know, they wouldn't say that, so that's silly. There are some that try that that would try to make uh, too much of it poetic. You know, where, where there are literal truths, and they would try to say, well, and, and this happens a lot in prophecy. So, well, you know, for this to work in my prophetic paradigm, you know, th- this has to be allegory for something else, where it's just like literal truth. So, some people will do that with like the second coming of Christ, and they'll say that. It's not literally true. It really means that you know we're bringing the kingdom on earth. And so, some people take so it, it, the poetry thing can be taken too far. You shouldn't look at the Bible as all poetic or all literal. You know, you should you should the parts that are poetic are poetic. The parts that are literal are literal. Uh, so that was the point that I wanted to make. That's what I wanted to talk about. And of course, I could I could talk about this for I, I've already gone an hour and a half, so it's already way too long. But um, <laughs> and this is just this was just the pillars. But I I could talk more about it. Uh, because there are other things like that in the Bible. Um, and if you enjoy this video, you know, let me know and, and maybe I'll do more. But, but the other takeaway from this is Christians that believe in flat earth, there are brothers and sisters, and this is not an issue that I think we need to divide on. Now, if they're using it as a way of saying, you know, if you don't agree with me, you don't believe in the Bible, that is something to that is something to divide on because that's something that can damage the church that that's pu- that's putting a burden on Christians that God never intended um that that that's like that's like pharisaical at the point you know a- adding to the scripture and putting that on people you know that's not good that is something to divide over but then it's not really it's not really the whole flat earth idea that's doing it it's the person's pride or it's it, you know it it it's it's not the idea because like i said I, I, I've got a couple, I got a few friends that believe in flat earth and we fellowship great together and we talk about our differences. You know, I, I have, uh, partial preterist friends and I'm not, I'm a, I'm a futurist, but I have partial preterist friends that we fellowship great together because we know that most importantly is Jesus. You know, what we agree on is, is Jesus. All this other stuff can make for interesting conversation and it, it it's, it's interesting. And it's good, you, you know, um, but we can have differences in beliefs and still be Christians, right? Um, so where it starts to get sketchy is like, okay, is the Bible teaching this? Is this is this what the Bible intends you to believe? That's where it's like, man, I, I and you know, I I can only really speak for myself. If if there was anything in that appendix where I might have suggested that, then like I want to repent of that immediately. Now, like I said, I did write. This is speculative, but but still, I I don't ever want to give the impression that um, 
that, that, that we should read those verses and this is what we should take away from. Uh, it, it was a reaction to an attitude in, in the church that I was seeing and I didn't like. And I wanted to say, you know, hey, hey, look, you, you, you guys don't have it all put together either. There, there are other ways to look at this and your way isn't perfect. And, um, but, but like I said, had I thought about it the way that I'm understanding it now, I never, I probably would have never even wrote that chapter or I would have wrote it very differently. Uh, but I probably wouldn't have spent any time on it. So, um, and it doesn't mean that, like, like I said, we could die and go to heaven and like see see how heaven is constructed and how it like pairs with the earth, and that there could be all sorts of wonders with that, and I'm sure there are. But I don't think these verses are meant to teach us about those wonders. I, I think what these these verses are meant to teach us is, you know, the power, the majesty of God, that He's in control of all of this, and when we when we submit to God, that is who we're submitting to. I think that is the most important thing uh, that we can take away and that we should uh all, all the other stuff we can speculate and discuss but it should never be on the forefront it should be like way down here on our list of priorities uh when it comes to this stuff it, it's it, it you know it just shouldn't it just shouldn't it shouldn't take priority over like what is what what i see is like clearly intended uh what what the clear intention is that the bible's trying to communicate here so uh so yeah, that is okay. That's that's how I was wrong on the pillars of the earth. Okay, we got to talk about um, this Texas politician. I'm going to do that for members only. So if you haven't had a chance to already, go become a member at DailyRenegade.com. You'll get the rest of this Peck report and the rest of all the shows that we do. We've got a lot of shows, uh, and I'll tell you if you if you were on the fence uh, about getting a membership, please get one now. Um, that would be great. It's only ten dollars a month or one hundred dollars a year. Now is the time to get it. Get the hundred dollars a year if you can, because you get two months for free that way. You only got to pay for it once you don't have to think about it again so it's a great deal uh make sure you do that i'm also going to have like i mentioned before a lot of information about silent cry coming up um so keep your eyes on that all right let's we're going to talk more uh to the members only so go get a membership that would be great help support our ministry if you believe in what we do also check out the store we we have a bunch of new shirts we have like hashtag save the children shirts now for for daily renegade uh it's just daily store.com go check that out there's a bunch of new designs that i think that you guys will will really like and um all this stuff helps fund what we do like fighting child sex trafficking and you know um all, all of that stuff so it, it really does help uh, dailyrenegade.com is the place to go. Okay, we are going to call it good for everybody watching for free. Thank you so much. Uh, members, hang on the line. Everybody else, thank you so much for watching, and until next time, take care and God bless.